Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host. This is episode 340, or two, 346, 346, yes, wow, I'm losing count, and I'm going senile in my old age. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host Prez, that is at underscore president on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this Thursday night? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I am watching Giannis rack him up, and finally do his job and perform in a manner consistent with my first fantasy basketball pick. Um, we had a pep talk after his underwhelming first couple of games, um, not even approaching 30 points per game, which is for shame, for shame. But uh, he's got it together now, so all is well. Don't care if his team wins or loses. Uh, I do care um, that his team loses tonight. That would be good for me. Um, but that's it, you know. Things happen, but uh, we are joined by <laughs> I think his second time on the pod, if that's correct. Uh, his name is Tyler Wilson, he writes for the Swish Theory. Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well, happy to be back. Yeah, this is my second time. I didn't get a call back for last season, so I, I guess the first one didn't go that well. But ho- hopefully, <laughs> this one is you know, off to the races. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, me and Prez were talking before, and I was like, I think last time he came on, we talked about Al Horford, and I was berating Al Horford, and you were like, I think Al Horford is fine. I don't have a reason to hate Al Horford. Uh, And I was like, get the fuck out of here. No, that's not what happened, exactly. But before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Post all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching the podcast. If you are and you have done so already, please hit like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available on our website. I'm wearing some of it. You can kind of see it on this very small pane here on the side. Uh, you can find that on our website, www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. we got all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. The Strickland finally has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I always refer to the press. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. They grade your takes that you leave us in our Discord channel, specifically for this purpose, and evaluate them, judge them, judge you as people. So you get access to that. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to... Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave with anything more. You also get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast. That is, guess what it is? It's an NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey, Raz- Jeffrey Rasmussen. Uh, and you also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. There's going to be variety of additional benefits. Like listening to pod recordings, merchandise accounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly when you choose to subscribe or not, this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online 
is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the Bet Online website today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, enough of the capitalist shenanigans. Um, the Knicks played the Spurs yesterday. A basketball game occurred. And um, the Knicks won. They emerged victorious. It was not a very competitive game. It was over. I, I don't think the Spurs are within. I don't think they got within single digits after like six minutes of the game. Maybe it might have been more than that. Um, but, uh, you know, it was Victor Wambinyama's debut MSG performance, which was uh, very conveniently scheduled 39 days to the day. After Michael Jordan's, uh, no pressure, Victor. Just, uh, just live up to that. Um, I look. We can. We'll talk about the Knicks and as a Knicks podcast, but we can talk about Victor first. Um, I don't think he was like, you know, I, I didn't view him as like, oh, he choked or something like that. But I did feel like the it was very built up. It was like, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways it was his first major kind of national TV regular season exposure in a way that. It was like built up all day. It felt like, um, obviously, New York is a bigger stage than. I don't think. I don't think he's played in LA yet, right? Um, and okay. he played killed by the Clippers. Um, oh, did they? I can't. Okay. Yeah. Was, well, that's that's <laughs> yeah, the, the Clippers, Clippers though. So that's kind yeah. of like, is it Inglewood or is it LA? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It just. It's the Clippers, right? It's like the second team. <laughs> doesn't really. Count. Doesn't it's feel not, the same. Yeah, it's not really Los Angeles. Um, but I thought. I just thought like it was a lot of. It was just a lot going on and. He didn't seem like settled at any point in the game, really, until the end, uh, and that's when he like actually looked decent. Obviously, the game had also changed by that point; it was a total blowout. But um, what did you make of that, Tyler? Did you or do you just think like? And I and I also think like he's a rookie, so there'll be rookie games, and he played against a front court that I think is a lot more physical and and in in ways that he probably just hasn't even experienced yet in the NBA. Yeah, I think that the slow starts aren't uh, out of the norm, I guess, to start the season. He's he's stated publicly that he finds it easier to play hard at the end of games, which I think is kind of funny coming from like a generational number one overall pick where you're like, oh, it's like it, I have to start playing harder in the first three three quarters, which I, 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 you can see that on tape a lot of the time. Um, more than anything, I think the team just against physicality in particular is going to struggle. And uh it's it's a little difficult to get a seven foot three guy the ball in space the, the space necessary for him to dribble with uh, the current roster construction and uh, the, the Knicks have a good defense. I think that when we when this level of offense and encounters like a real defense like the shit hits the fan really fast and I, you saw that in the beginning of the game that once it was eight oh in the first like what two minutes it was over it was done like, you could you could just tell that there was nothing going on offense it wasn't going to happen no Vassell it hurts but I don't know I. Vic is awesome, and it's super. It's it's great, and I I struggle to care about what happens this season. I guess is what would be my take. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Pop is also finding it very hard to care about what's happening <laughs> uh, based on some, a lot of his answers. Uh, I will get to Pop later, but like, I mean, do you? I've seen. I I don't actually know how to feel about this because I mean I I've watched like. I've caught the end of a few Spurs games, right? I caught, like, the end of both of their games against the Suns, and obviously I watched the entire game yesterday. I think I watched 
most of the second half when they played. They, their opener was against the Mavericks, right? Yeah, so I watched most of that game. Um, so like, I've seen quite a bit of him and quite a bit of them. But I guess, like, I, I have seen people talking about, like, oh, like, they need a point guard. Like, they're not able to get the ball to Vic in areas that he needs it. And, like, I don't know if I really believe that because I'm like, I don't know how much post work Vic is going to be capable of doing right now and how much you even want him to do right now. Um, and that's like, seems to like, like, Oh, they don't have anybody that can throw a post entry. I'm like, well, one, like Trey Jones exists. He would just need to start. And I'm not sure why he's not starting, but um, like, I don't know. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Or do you just think it's like, Hey, like it, it's fine if we're not able to get the, like, it, it's not all on the guard. It's also like Vic's a 19 year old, 20 year old rookie or whatever. And he's running around here trying to figure out where to be also. Yeah, I think that it's I, – I don't – I'm not a bit – I like Trey Jones. I think Trey Jones is great. I understand what they're trying to do with the whole, like, so handed point experiment uh, to a degree. Uh, I think that a, a lot of Spurs fans just want to see them, like, spam, like, a 1-4, 1-5 pick and roll with Vic all game and just have him run a ton of pick and rolls and be, like, this crazy athletic big that can, like, plays in space. And I just – a lot of the stuff that you want a traditional point guard to do – I'm not really concerned that he's not going to be able to do that next year in two years and three years. Like this is like the ripest stage of your developmental period, I guess, as like a 19 year old first playing in the league. He's playing more games than he ever has, traveling more than he ever has. Um, we're not going to win games this year. I'm going to have to disappoint Spurs fans on that. We're not going to win a ton of games, but to be this is. You run out of time, uh, run out of time really quickly to be experimental and to try weird stuff and to see what fits. And you have the weirdest, most experimental player to exist in like NBA history. You might as well try to do some fun stuff. And the cost of that is it, it looks really ugly when it doesn't go well. But I, I'm not like I, I get why they're doing the Sohan thing. I think that like they have been obsessed with this like bigger point guard, non traditional point guard for the last like five years plus. I mean. Dejounte Murray was drafted. I mean, and he was played some point guard, but he always was more of a two that kind of had to develop his on-ball reads. They drafted Josh Primo to be a six-foot-six point guard, which you know went really well, you know. Um, and then now they've got, <laughs> um, in a, now for the first time they have like somebody who like doesn't uh, want to score when he has the ball as a point guard, and I think that's like their new like I, I guess thing. And I think that maybe will be more successful. We'll see, but um, I don't know. I think that it's going to be weird and there's going to be some games where it looks really cool and the, and the defense is incredible and they're getting out in transition. And I, I think a big part of the idea of building the roster and building this way with the big point guard is that like you have the ultimate NBA event creator on your back line now. And you, and he's on top of that going to be the best transition player in the NBA because he is runs like a gazelle and he's like eight feet tall. So the idea of getting him into easier situations in the fast breaking offense and uh, kind of dominating defense in that way is, is exciting and cool, but you have a bunch of, like, 20-year-olds trying to do it. So, um, I don't know. I get what they're doing, but it, it definitely leads to some ugly stuff. But, like, oh, as a Spurs fan, how can you care, man? I'm still riding a high. Like, this is great. This is so cool. We get to watch an alien for the next X amount of years. Um, I don't know. I, I'm down to try some weird stuff for a while and see how it goes. It's definitely worth experimenting. Like, there's not... It's weird. It's, it feels extra weird now because there's like no, there's so few true rebuilds right now, right? It's like the Spurs and the Wizards and that's it, right? Am I missing somebody? Detroit, I guess. 
like no, Detroit doesn't reboot. count anymore. I mean, I guess that I guess maybe they're still in rebuilding, but it feels like they're kind of like aging out of it at this point. I, mean, I think so too, and and they got a couple of like guys they spent money on. Are we not um, counting Houston? Well, Houston, I think they they kind of out of they're not a true rebuild to me anymore, just because they like spent a lot on vets who play a lot. So like they're rebuilding, but I, I mean like stage zero rebuild. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So you mean like the the basement? Yeah, yeah, yeah like like rebuilding when you're playing Dylan Brooks over Tari Eason, yeah. I would say. Give give Chicago a year. I'll be right there. <laughs> I'll believe it when yeah. I see it, Swell. No, but what I was gonna say is like Oh Portland. That's Oh yeah, there we go. Portland. Good call. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I don't even want to talk about fucking Portland until DA gets his act together for my fantasy team. But um what I, <laughs> what I was gonna say is like it's jarring to see experimentation like that right now when like 95% of games are going to be teams who are trying to like win win and like maybe like they'll experiment a little bit here and there on the margins with play style but for the most part like guys have their roles there's no funny weird shit going on coaches have goals that make sense and there's like a degree of optimization both team-wide and player-wide around the league because of the parity and the combination of, like, every team is... Every team would be, like, the most analytically-minded team of, like, four years ago. Like, every single team right now. So, like, you're having even teams like the Wizards who can lose and score, like, 135 points in a game or something like that. Like, because offenses are just so good. So, like, I get... Like, as far as... It's like, I don't want to call it like stealth tanking, the experimenting, because I do think you should see what you have with someone like Sohan. It's like, what? fuck it, let's just fucking throw him out there, right? Like, what are we really losing, right? As long as you don't do that for the whole season. But the tricky thing I wanted to bring up to you, and, and we talked about this briefly in, on a Twitter DM, is like, like, how do you feel regard like... It, there's not much of a safety net, right? That, and I mean, they can trade, of course, right? Like, I don't know, maybe they need that presence and they decide to trade for Evan Fournier. Who can say? But like, <laughs> there's, like, say you decide the Sohan experiment doesn't work and you go with Trey Jones. Like, okay, he's more point guard experienced than Sohan, but like, he's not going to like bend the defense, right? He's not going to average like 12 drives a game probably. And like, you know, there, there's just not many fallback options with this roster. so. Like, how do you, how, what, how do you feel about that from like a developmental perspective? Because just putting your taking off your Spurs fan hat and putting on your Swish Theory draft analyst hat, like to me, that is always the most dangerous thing about young rebuilding rosters that are without even a little bit of like vet guardrails. So it's like then it just becomes like a free-for-all. And some players can develop in that environment, and I don't doubt that Victor is one of them. But part of me is like, could he develop better if they, I don't know, traded for a DeLon Wright or some fucking random, you know what I mean? Like something like that. I think it's, that is a, a tricky question to answer uh intelligently i would say um 
that Vic is just it's kind of astounding. It doesn't totally make sense. Like you watch his tape from 18 months ago and the things that he was doing in summer league and, and in the preseason and the beginning of the year is like this, like big wing creator feels like insane. And like the, the, the quickness of the development of his ball skills has been pretty astounding. And like coming into the year, I would have said like, no, like run him as a four, play him off ball. I don't want to see him dribble really ever, like especially in the, like you saw him in summer league and he couldn't dribble in space at all. Like he was just getting picked all the time. And then we know the year and he's breaking dudes down, breaking guys down on a closeouts and like ISOing at like from the top of the key. It's like, it's wild. It's kind of nuts. And uh, that kind of changed my perspective, at least in terms of the necessity of having more of like a table setter. Cause I think that, it, you're going to get some ugly results this year, but the idea of just like opening the fire hose and like seeing how it goes is became more appealing seeing that like there was already improvement there and there's like an appetite for it. Um, I think that they're asking a lot of him now. I mean, I think that offensively the, the scoring, he, the, his usage isn't as much as you'd want and it's not even necessarily getting in his spots. I don't even think that that is the biggest deal. I think he gets buckets just by existing on the court. He's enormous and has incredible touch and, um, as you see the team like in like the crunch time at the end of like the Phoenix games and they're like force feeding the ball and, and making sure that he's actually able to get looks that it looks a little bit different and he can uh he can operate well giving the ball and just be like, Hey, go score, figure it out. Like he was awesome doing that in the in the and to begin the year. So um I don't know. I just I could he develop a little bit better, perhaps, but I think that the team has decided that like the way to build a competitive and like championship caliber roster is going to require some amount of like non-traditional basketball thought i guess in, in its construction especially around Vic himself and um you could build more i i guess the argument it currently is like should trey jones start and i just to do what exactly like i i get that he can run a ton of pick and rolls and organize your offense a little bit better but what is the value of developing pick and roll chemistry with a point guard that is not going to be your point guard in the future do we think that like that isn't the easiest thing for someone of like in his shoes to do at least and what we're going to ask him in like the long run like i would like to see him have more lead time to develop his shot creation and on ball skills it's like a big wing to see like if it works and to see how like what level we can get to and um well, like, i don't know like like, is Trey starting going to stop that though? Because I feel like what all you're doing is you're giving him like, I mean, look, I, I can only, as a Knicks fan who had to watch like the worst <laughs> point guard playing the league for basically 20 years, um, like, I think one of the big costs, and obviously as a rebuilding team during most of that time, which uh, maybe you as a Spurs fan, not just familiar with, um, but like, like one of the costs I've, and me and Preston talked about this a lot. Like one of the costs of not having a good point guard ever, especially when you suck, was like, yeah, look, I mean, we're guys like Nilakina, Knox, and whoever we can name like fifteen guys, right? Are those guys ever going to be good in any context? Maybe not. But like, when you don't have a guy who you can just kind of like depend on to organize an offense and just get you settled, it just creates this kind of like uncertainty that other guys have to pick up on. And I'm not saying like, you know, oh my God, like Wemby's development is going to be utterly destroyed now because Trey Jones isn't starting, right? Obviously not. But I do think like there's a value of just like, hey, look, like we're still going to get this guy a ton of on-ball reps even with Trey Jones on the floor because Trey Jones is not like some high usage scorer or something, right? Like he's just going to run his pick and rolls and make the right read and that's about what he'll do. Um, 
But like, I think there's a value to just getting him the reps and getting him kind of in a rhythm, right? Like, okay, I know that if he's struggling, he's over three from the field or something. This guy can just get him at, you know, an easy 16 footer, which is like his bread and butter shot, whatever. I don't even know what those bread and butter shot is. Right. Um, and I just think there is a value to that, which doesn't necessarily mean that like not doing it is some horrible development plan. I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, very into having boring veteran point guard play. Like, hell, like even when we had Jared Jack, I was like, all right, thank God. Like, we have a guy that just, like, knows how to run a pick and roll, and he can get Kristaps a shot when we absolutely just need Kristaps to get an easy shot. Um, and, like, I don't know. I think there is a value to that. What that is is all very nebulous stuff, right? Like, there's no way to define it or necessarily quantify it either. Yeah, I would say that it, it was kind of hard to tell last night, given uh, how awful the, the game was. But I Last year, they played a really heavy driving kick system that they played since, like, since like the DeJounte DeRozan days, really since like the Parker days, where it's just kind of like have your guard get into the paint and kick out and just have kind of people react off of that. And I think they've, they've determined, or at least the decision has been like that is probably not the best offense in which to like maximize Vic in the long run. And that the idea being like a more set heavy offense where you're, it's more scripted, but you're at least able to kind of like pick your spots and, and get into actions with a bigger defensive personnel. Like I understand that. And I, especially in this, in the starting group, because like Vic and Trey play a ton of minutes together. And like Trey closes games a lot of the time. It's probably, I think it's about a 50, 50 split between the amount of minutes he plays with Sohan on the court at point and with Trey. And it's really, really difficult to defend teams, best lineups with Trey on the court, like period. He just can't cover ground that way. He's not exactly like a, like a point of attack hound. He tries to be, but it's not been awesome. And he's just, he's small. And the idea that you're trying to force feed these lineups of your five best players, essentially the getting Sohan, Keldon, and Vassell on a court together with Vic at the same time, and um, trying to do that against teams' best lineups to build some type of like defensive foundation that you can grow from is, to me, more sustainable than trying to like shoehorn an offense in, in starting lineups with Trey when you're still getting benching us with Trey and like ideally that's going to be his role and the players that he's going to be playing with are going to be more suited to his play style um I like when they close games with Vic at the five and they have those other four guys on the court like it's awesome it's super good and I I, I love that but I do understand the idea of like trying to flesh out other more functional lineups especially like with Sohan playing the point and the idea that like you don't have anybody else on your team that can really defend the way that he can and like, and I know Keldon's been trying more this year, but like, that is our only real perimeter stopper on the court. And the, and if anyone's going to go to the bench, it will be him. And that kind of neuters the general value of him. It kind of takes him out of the most valuable reps he's going to have, which is guarding Luca and guarding KD and guarding Booker in these in these big moments. So, I I do think there's some value to it. I it, it would make me more nervous, I guess, if Trey wasn't playing much or if they had like a, a bad backup point guard. But like. The idea that one of those other four guys around Vic gets subbed out with like an actual star or an actual like creator, and then you can kind of just like move everybody else down the line and still have these bench units with Trey, they're really functional. Like that is appealing. I think that's like the general goal, and they're okay to stomach that for a year. Which, like, again, as a Spurs fan, like I'm fine with that. Like it's it's cool. We won a lot, and uh, it's gonna be good, good. Gonna be good for a while. And I think we have a ton of draft capital and figuring out like what is gonna work and like how to make your ideal vision work is probably worth a longer experimentation than people maybe have stomach for. Keep Dusty warm for uh, Isaiah Collier. You see, Collier would be awesome. 
that is like that's like my my dream. I mean, like Ron Holland would be great too. I think they like the idea of having some type of like paint touch wing to be able to kind of piece things together. But man, Collier's the, he's the guy, dude. He's awesome. We'll we'll spare Swin and uh, wait till March Madness for that. <laughs> I could talk about Collier all day, dude. I thought about it way too much. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I had to stop watching tape. Um, I have I have never heard of his name until just now. Um, <laughs> if to to bring it back to the NBA, uh, <laughs> so like with with that being said, is Kelvin Johnson like? What was going on with him yesterday? Because I think that's about one of the worst games I've seen from... He just did so much weird shit in that game where it felt like... He had one play where he just stopped looking at the ball. Like, it was just like obvious the ball was going to be past him and he just looked the other way. It was it was a very weird performance from him. Like, how has he been this year? Because I do feel like this is kind of a... I mean, he, his extension just kicked in, right? This is the first year of extension. Yeah, it's his first year. Yeah. like So this is kind of like a big year for him. And I, I remember I was listening to... uh the broadcast in their opening game against the Mavs, and like, I don't, I don't remember the exact anecdote, but it was basically like, Pop sat him and Devin Vassell down after the season or something, and was like, was like, hey, so our defense was really bad, and you two were the biggest reasons why it was really fucking bad. So we need to work on that. I guess how is that project going? Because from what I saw yesterday, I mean, Vassell barely, he may as well have not played, right? Um, but for what I saw from Keldon, I was like. I don't know. I was just like, I remember him as a rookie and being like, man, this kid has so much promise as a defender. And now I'm watching him and I'm like, it feels like it's the same mistakes he makes a lot of the times. And I'm just kind of like, generally, like, where where are things with him? How are you feeling early in the season, admittedly? Yeah, I think you got the worst two Keldon games of the year so far in that Dallas game and this uh, most recent one. He's the growth as a driver and like passer out of like, options has been really exciting and I, I think that like he's always been kind of this like head down like bull in a china shop style driver and there's still moments of that and you saw that at the end of the mass game too um which was awful oh, i hated that uh but he's been a lot better about keeping his head up and making passes i think he leads the team at potential assists like he's um i mean he even had eight assists yesterday yeah i mean he that has been the most encouraging thing i don't know what's going on with the shot man like he went through this phase of like remarkable growth and was like, like that sustained for like six months and now has just like totally gone in the tank. Um, obviously he's not getting like the best catch and shoot looks in the world, but I just I don't really have any confidence when he shoots threes anymore, which is like kind of shocking where we were like last year at the beginning of the year. Um, he had a high, he was like putting them up last year. Yeah, he he. I can't remember how many attempts a game it was, but like the, his growth between like the first like four years of his career was just like astounding in, in his three point shooting. And yeah, he was in like a worse role last year and took a lot of off the dribble stuff, but it's just it, it hasn't been the same. <laughs> I really don't know how else to describe. It. Like the, his his form's kind of reverted back to a little more of like a shot putty, like um like off to the side. And uh, I don't know. It's it's. It, that has been kind of weird. The defense, I mean, you know, peep the, my first appearance on the Strickland where I, I talked for like 10 minutes about how awful our wing and forward defense has been for like half a decade. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, they were really bad last year. And I think that like Devin, it's a lot easier to kind of project defensive value because that's what he was drafted on and has shown you that. Keldon um, has never been much of a team defense guy. He's not going to be like a head on a swivel, make rotations and do stuff. But uh, he's at least been better in man. He's a little bit lighter, and he is like staying up on guys and isn't like 
one of the worst defenders in the league this year, I would say. How, co- how come y'all bring back all these dudes, but y'all don't bring back Bruce Bowen to teach motherfuckers how to, like, get under people's shirt and karate kick people in the face? Dude, Bruce Bowen, I don't know what the relationship is with Bruce Bowen. I think there's a little bit of, like, uh, a little bit of beef. I know he – is he still on the, the Clippers broadcast? Is he, not, is he not doing that anymore? I can't remember. I literally had no idea he was a broadcaster. I know, so. I know. he was on the he was on the Clippers broadcast. I know he said something about Kawhi during that situation, so it's been a little bit on ice with Bruce. But I know we 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 it's been ugly, man. I think that's the entering the year. I thought like, oh, I can't wait. Hopefully, we can find some like star point guard that's gonna like save the day. And it's like, man, I really just want a three that plays both ways and really can defend and really like make shots and get get to feet in the paint, do something. But um. I don't know. It's I like Kelton a lot. I think he's really fun. I think he's probably the best suited to come off the bench in the long run. I it's maybe just a little bit too early in the the time horizon for that to happen, or at least the roster's not talented enough for him to be placed into that role. But I just kind of I don't know. Maybe I'm pessimistic at this point, but I do struggle to see how he's like a starter in like one of the five best or one of the like I don't know impactful starters on like a championship team, just because the defense is is I don't know. It's very space cadet y. Yeah, just, it's just exactly. He's like the thing that's so. It's I. It, these are always the most like confounding defenders. I mean, or like he's not like he's got a good frame. You know, he's strong or should be strong, and like he is strong when he drives to the rim, right? Like you see him like kind of be willing to challenge guys. Um, but like yesterday, I'm watching him. and I'm like, like he's just, you know, like. You and you're guiding somebody to the rim instead of like trying to actually obstruct them from getting to the rim. That's yeah. what I saw him do on more than one time. More and honestly, like I saw. I mean, I again, I have not watched the Spurs nearly close enough, and I definitely have not particularly watched Vassell. But I saw like a few times yesterday where it was like Vassell's. Like you're not like watching it like that's terrible defense because you're out of position. It's like that's terrible defense because you're just like letting the guy do what he wants to do and mirroring him, but not actually trying to, like, contain him or defend him. But, I mean, Keldon's stuff was just a lot worse, too, because there was some weird, like, off-ball lack of understanding of where he was supposed to be and shit that you're like, why is that happening right now? That was, like, a basic screen. I think it's pretty obvious where he should be. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.